Hey friends, I'm Ashley. Hey you guys, I'm Lainey. And this is Haunted Real Estate. Welcome to Haunted Real Estate. <laughs> On this sode, we're talking about Amityville Horror. Ooh. Or the Amityville House, not the movie. Very little about the movie, but we did ask for some people to make requests to us, and we got an Amityville-specific request, so we are going to go ahead and do that. Yeah, we um, we know this is a, a big one for a lot of people, and there's a lot of opinions about it. Um, I know I have a lot of opinions about it, so yeah, let's just dive right in. All right, well, today I'm going to be doing this episode, so I'm just going right, to get right started. Get, get right started, Uh-oh. right nice. <laughs> So, 30 miles outside of New York City, in the Long Island town of Amityville, stands the three-story colonial home forever linked to the Amityville horror phenomenon. On November 13, 1974, this home was the scene of a mass murder. Using a 35 Marlin rifle, 23-year-old Ronald J. Defoe Jr. murdered his entire family while they were asleep, which included his four parents. His four parents. That's a lot of parents. (laughs) His two parents and four siblings. We have four parents, so. That's true, but they don't all live in a house together. Thank That would be weird. (laughs) I don't think we would be alive to talk about it today. No, no, we wouldn't. No, we wouldn't. So we're going to talk about the story we've all heard, which is the DeFeo family. We're going to talk a little bit about the Lutz family, of course. That's where most of the ghostly things come from. And then I really wanted to kind of talk about the Warren family a little bit because everyone's heard of them. We know what they do. There's a lot of controversy around them. And well, just just to... I mean, are you going to say who the Warrens are? Or, I mean, I do think they need a little bit of an introduction. Yeah. I, well, I was going to at the end. If you, if we can talk about it right now, I'm, I'm casual. Cash. Yeah. So the Warrens are the mostly self-proclaimed demonologists. Um, they're the ones that are responsible for um, the Perrin family uh, in Rhode Island. That's the Conjuring House. This is where the Conjuring universe comes in. And uh, Annabelle. Annabelle is one of the stories they're responsible for hello amityville they get called out to these houses and a haunting in connecticut that's another one of their stories essentially they get called out that okay this is back in the 60s 70s and into the 80s yeah they would get called out to houses of people that were in need and basically they wouldn't charge anything but they would basically have to sign over rights to the story uh the families would to the warrens they're a very controversial couple. I'll say I absolutely loved them probably a year ago. And like within the last year, I feel like I've heard more and more of them kind of persuading people to embellish their stories a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I, I do believe that, you know, he is a skilled demonologist and that she's kind of a medium of sorts. I just, I, I don't know to the extent of which I believe I it's hard to know what's real and what's not real. They also were The Devil Inside Me, the movie, but the the case, I think they also called it The Devil Inside Me. There are some things that we know that they just kind of, I hate to say, like instigated a little bit. 
and maybe embellished. And when you start embellishing on stories like this, it just calls into question what is real and what's not, because no matter what, there's going to be skeptics when it comes to the supernatural and you already start discrediting yourself when you find out, okay, well, we found out that wasn't true or that was exaggerated. Uh, And the Warrens were behind a lot of that. So they're very, very controversial to us. I will say I love James Wan, director, I think also writer of The Conjuring movies, The Insidious movies, but Annabelle is theirs. Um, I think The the Nun might have also been one of their stories. Conjuring one, two, and three; those are those are all from the Warrens. Yeah, if they don't have the the talent to communicate with the supernatural, like what we were told they do, they have a great talent for storytelling. Exactly. Yeah, they they may have a great talent for storytelling, but those actual things that were happening, it's hard to say if they actually made the situations better. Because each one of those movies, after I watched it, I was like, okay, now I'm going to go read the real story. And a lot of it, you're like, okay, it kind of seemed like that was exaggerated. Or, you know, Ed Warren got kicked out of the house because he was instigating something. Or Lorraine Warren, you know, created more of a problem than was actually there. Or I think in the Devil Inside Me case, that was a situation of, gosh, I I feel... I didn't, I'm talking on the fly here. I didn't take any notes on this, but in that story, he, he murdered his landlord and I, you know, went to jail and I think they came out and said that he was possessed. I'm not even sure. Oh, that he, um, I think his name's Artie, but I could be, I could be totally wrong. So don't even quote me on that. That, yeah, that he, they came out and said, oh, he's possessed. You know, he was involved with his fiance's brother who, had a possession and the the devil, but not the devil, the, the demon or whatever must have hopped inside of him. And, you know, so it's just kind of like they came out with this stuff and were telling him to say a lot of those things. So yeah. who knows what's real and what's not? I I don't know. So, you know, take take it with a grain of salt. We try to be realistic as much as I love talking about spookiness and, and the supernatural. You know, I'm, I'm a skeptic, obviously, but even these people. And I, again, I love the Conjuring movies. I love Patrick Wilson. Okay. I want to be his best friend. So attractive. I'll be his lover. You be his best friend. Okay. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I just, I love him. I think he is so talented and, you know, and those movies do make you think like, oh my God, I love the Warrens, but you know, you need to take it with, it's a movie and they took a lot of creative licensing. So yeah. That's that. So without further ado, let's talk about Amityville, a Warren case. All right. So the Amityville house has been on the market four times since its murders in the 70s. It was last listed in 2016 and sold in 2017 for $605,000, according to property records uh, also listed in the New York Post. It was originally built in 1925. I did read that that 605 was $200,000 less than asking. Which I don't know if asking price was, you know, a fair market value price. Yeah. But I would guess since it's more of a recent sale, they probably thought they'd get a lot of money for it based on its history. True. But the history and also it being Long Island outside of New York, I feel like they're just going to be higher than Texas. Well, yeah, of course it's higher than Texas. But so 605,000, my question is what are other houses selling for around it? Was that ballpark or did they raise it because they were like, oh my God, everybody's going to want this house because of everything. True. But 
you know, well, some people are so boathouse. Like I'll talk more about all the things yeah. on the property. Um, it's a pretty sizable piece of yeah. piece of land. Yeah, um, it's pretty property for sure. Yeah. So it was originally built in 1925 and it sits on 10,900 square foot lot. Uh, upon walking into the home, the foyer opens up to a formal dining room and a formal living room. The home also features a sunroom with a breakfast area. A three-level staircase that leads up to all five bedrooms. Additionally, there's four bathrooms. There's a beautiful terrace on the outside and a large boathouse with a boat slip. And a beautiful garden and pathway that leads to a two-car garage. Now, I'm going to just jump right into the DeFeo family. Uh, So... Ronald, I really thought their history was interesting because I didn't know much about them or, I guess, anything about them except for the murders, which mm-hmm. is kind of sad. But uh, Big Ronnie was not the best person once you'll you'll find out here. This is the son, right? The son is Ronnie Jr. Uh, oh, you're talking about. Butch, so okay. I'm talking about the dad here first. Uh, he was born in 1930 to parents Rocco and Antoinette DeFeo. When he was younger, Big Ronnie was said to be slender and handsome. His suave looks attracted the attention to Luis Marie Prigante. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's the mom. <laughs> okay. Born on November 3rd in 1931 to Michael and Angela, Louise wanted to pursue a modeling career. Otherwise, she was going to be stuck having to leverage her father's deep ties with organized crime. Hmm. So this family does have some mafia mob backstory here. But mostly on the wife's side. Yes. Okay. So after a brief courtship, Big Ronnie and Louise got married, and since the Brigantes disapproved of Big Ronnie. They cut all ties with the newlyweds, said, you do your own thing. You're not part of this family anymore. We don't like you. Okay. Yep. Super great. That's what you want from your in-laws. Yeah. Uh, so shortly after that, Ronald Joseph DeFeo Jr., a.k.a. Butch, was born. He's the first of... I wonder when they start calling him Butch. Did they call him that when he was born? Um, did he come out Butch and they were like, your name is Butch? Or did he grow up and I know, he was Butch? When you start calling like a toddler Butch? Um, he was known to be on the heavier side, so I think he was, he was kind of a bully. You'll find out soon. He gets bullied as well. I think it, the name just kind of fell into probably mm-hmm. the way he looked and acted around people. So it was later on, Big Ronnie started to work with his father-in-law at the Brooklyn Buick dealership. So they did kind of get back and better ties with the in-laws with his wife's family Uh, and that's when he was able to provide his family comfortable middle-class lifestyle Uh, it's it's said that they were pretty poor on on hard times during that first having their first kid and the time the newlyweds didn't talk to her parents do you think they were quote-unquote poor because they the parents cut her off like she was probably getting mafia money on the side yeah okay was and do you, I wonder if you, if that's why the dad not, not married her, but like thinking that would be a benefit is just having like a stream of income there. Yeah, and they also had car dealerships, and, and I'm sure they were like laundering money through the mob or mm-hmm. something like that with them. So I am sure it was very enticing that he would have some kind of comfortable lifestyle if he married her. I don't think I can marry into the mafia. I don't think I could either. I mean, you're still murdering people, or you know people that murder people. It's just you're a just shady, like an aggressive business. group of people. Yeah, I don't want to. I mean, obviously, step on the wrong toes, and then now I have to fear for my life forever. Yeah, I mean, like one of my I don't know maybe top ten movies is Goodfellas. So my I I find the like the mafia really interesting and you know I've done some research about it but a lot of my knowledge is going to come from movies because that's what's painted a picture in my head and it just seems like such a hostile way of living 
It does. And I'm just like, I think of half of them being like a Joe Pesci type character who's just always <laughs> shooting his gun around my feet or something if I'm not doing yeah. what he wants me to. It just seems like such a hostile way to live where I'm like, God, this guy's like got a few bolts loose in his brain. No, I, yeah, I'm so non confrontational. I don't know. His character know made me so freaking nervous in that movie. Yes. Like having a friend like that is that on edge. Yeah, I, I could not do it. I can't even be friends with people that are like that and not in the moment. Yeah, like that whole scene where he's like, What do you mean I'm funny? You said I'm funny. What do you mean by that? And like everyone goes silent and you're like, Oh my God, what is happening he's right gonna now? Die. Like in real life, you know, I hate that kind of confrontation where people do that and you're like, I, if I could turn my time, <laughs> I yes. wouldn't have said that. Yes. No, that's so uncomfortable for me. I couldn't do it either. So, however, Big Ronnie, he was known to be a domineering authority figure. He had often very hot-tempered fights and arguments with his wife and his children. So he seems lovely and a perfect fit for the mob. Wow. Growing wh- up. What, sorry, why didn't her parents like him? I didn't find out that. I Probably maybe he was poor, and that's just the only thing. I didn't find any reason why they didn't like him, but I just know that they were cut off, and then suddenly he was able to work at the dealership. I think it was because they had a kid, and they wanted to see that grandkid. Okay. That's just my, my hypothesis. Okay. Growing up firstborn, Butch DeFeo had it very hard. Because Butch was the firstborn and a boy, his father expected more from him. I feel like that's very common for the firstborn of any family. That's so much pressure. It's gotta be. I mean, you you, you know, you're one of them. Totally. Um, All that pressure my parents put on me. Yeah, well, at least you don't have wrinkles. Your skin looks great. Thank you. I felt like that was kind of out of nowhere, but I'll always appreciate it. <laughs> you did have the stress of being a child <laughs> parent. <laughs> That's all I meant. Thank you. Oh You're my beautiful. Gosh. Thank you. You're beautiful too. Oh God. That's it, you guys. Thank you. Goodbye. Have a good day. Anyways, so Big Ronnie was not afraid to discipline Butch in any way whatsoever, and some com- would consider it very abusive and very cruel. Sometimes he would hug his son, and the next minute throw him against the wall. Seriously? Yes. So, in my opinion, he is very abusive, both mentally and physically, and you cannot trick your kid into thinking you're getting a loving embrace to be thrown. What a tool. I know. Freaking, I cannot imagine ever doing that to my kids. Never. Never a situation. No. All you want to do is like hold them and like coddle them and hope that they become like great humans. You don't even ever want to hurt them. Feel like even, sorry, my brain does this sometimes, but even if they turned into like a zombie, I can't imagine throwing them against a wall. No, it would be I'd like I'd go lock them Shaun in the closet. The yeah. yeah I'd put them in the backyard <laughs> shed and play video games with them. Yes. <laughs> That's all. I, I would I would do the same. Jack, no, you can't bite me. Yeah. So Big Ronnie, in my opinion, I originally wrote fuck off and die, but we know he dies. So like, okay. no one deserves death. But he was he was just sounds like an asshole of a Somebody father. Somebody who shouldn't have had kids. I wonder what yeah. the relationship with him and his wife were like. I'll get into it. Okay, cool. Yep. Uh, Luis's brother, Michael Briganti Jr., would later testify at the DeFeo trial about an incident he witnessed when Butch was just two years old. He said, we were all sitting down in the basement watching TV, and I don't know if the boy had done something or what, but all of a sudden he stood up, the father, and just pushed the boy this way into the wall. The boy was banged up on his head and part of his shoulder just say or something. this way into the wall? Yeah. Which, he w- which way? It's a quote from him in the court, so I think he was pointing. Oh, because <laughs> so. you also pointed, and I was like, my wall? I like, know. <laughs> what are you saying? your wall, Ashley. You didn't <laughs> notice that when he moved in. 
Gosh. No, it's it's a quote from him in court during the trial. Okay. Um, so he was probably using a hand gesture. So pick your own way, people. Okay. North. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Threw him north. That's north so is funny. not in the sky. <laughs> What's just, happening right now? Just throw him up. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we're going to talk about a compass later after this. Yes, that sounds great. Anyway, so as a child, not only did did Butch get abuse from his father, but he was also extremely overweight, which just makes me feel bad when kids, they can't control that. And they just get bullied by their kids. That or the parents do have a little control there. Yeah, you're right. He would remain overweight until his teenage years. And that's when he began using amphetamines. Mm -hmm. So not great. Butch was most definitely bullied at school. Bigger kids would make fun of him, calling him names like the blob or bucky beaver or pork chop what i know it God, really kids is. are freaking the horrible worst. to each other i mean like kids themselves aren't the worst but like i hate bullying and it's a it's a real bummer because you also feel like well how is it because you said butch was also a bully at the beginning yeah you know so you I'm, know he's bullied at home so he sees that but to know he's getting it at home and getting it at school you already see the making of a murderer here yeah it's like we always say feel bad for the kid but not the adult like yeah just uh, it seems it breaks my heart because he really never had a chance the dad was an asshole he had poor self-esteem shitty school friends like he had really nowhere to go and the fact that he turns to amphetamines just really bumps me out I feel like a a lot of people I knew did as well in like high school to lose weight because it would suppress your hunger it's just it's not cool Luckily, though, well, I don't know if it's lucky, but Butch wasn't an only child for long. Eloise gave birth to a daughter in 1956, Don Teresa Defoe. A few years later, they gave birth to Allison. Then again, Mark Gregory. What a, was that like a, a double name, first name? Or was it yeah. Mark Gregory was his middle? Yeah. Uh, well, Gregory's probably middle, but they all have three names here. Don Teresa Defoe. Louis, oh, okay. Allison, okay, that's Louise Defoe. Mark Gregory just sounded like it was a name. Like, hey, Mark Gregory. What? Yeah. Or I John Henry. I just bought a new pair of Mark Gregory's. You want to check them out? Oh, that's a, I like that brand name. Yeah. Dibs. Okay. It has always, no meaning to me whatsoever, but I just like it. It always makes me think of Cruel Intentions when he's like, Gregory? <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. Joshua Jackson as a gay guy is so funny to me. Yeah. He's adorable. He, he did he did good. He did. Sometime after the birth of Mark, Louise decided to leave her husband. Shocker. For reasons we don't really know, but we can assume it was because he was an asshole. To get his wife back, Big Ronnie decided a romantic gesture has to be made. So he co-wrote a song expressing his love for his wife called The Real Thing. And in 1963, jazz great known as Joe Williams recorded the song for his album titled One is a Lonesome Number. And Luis came back to Big Ronnie after this song was I'm sure it's the nicest thing he ever did. Probably. And I wonder how he had ties to a jazz artist. Mafia. Yes. So then Big Ronnie and Louise had a third son. By this time, the family had moved from their Brooklyn apartment to the affluent Long Island South Shore community of Amityville. Many found it to be a big mystery how Big Ronnie could afford such a lavish home on a car dealership's manager's salary. The answer was pretty clear, though. His father-in-law, Michael Bragante Sr., as we mentioned had some serious ties to organized crime. And we all know how that goes in New York, Brooklyn area, along with many other places even today. So so we think he bought him the house? Yeah. 
or put down down payment for sure he obviously could not afford it himself and Mm -hmm. yeah there's definitely money coming up out of nowhere that can't be explained for but the guys the father-in-law now and big ronnie i guess became you know closer and they sure did enjoy the fancy things in life and uh one really funny one i found i i'm almost done with the defeo family here but i really enjoyed this fun fact uh, Big Ronnie decided he wanted a series of life-size portrait of each member of his family to immortalize his family. Life-size? Yes, which cost $50,000, which his father-in-law paid each for. or together? I believe together, which is still a lot for oh, yeah. back then. Wouldn't but... pay that much for all the art in my house. There's no freaking way. They were painfully detailed and gaudy. They had huge golden frames, and these all were placed on the staircase wall between the first and second floors of their home. Home. And it really sounds like something royal families did with the the progression of the princes and princesses to kings and oh gosh! It also made me think of the Shit's Creek episode where they have that huge portrait of them and they bring it to the motel. Yes. So ridiculous. Uh, but anyways, okay, fast forward to when the family's a little bit older and settled into their home. Uh, Butch is now helping manage the car dealership. It turns out Butch was very irritated with the money he earned as well, and so he plotted to embezzle money from the dealership. Oh my. Yeah, this is when it gets started. Um, I mean, you're already getting some mafia money, but... It's not good enough. You must have more and more and more. You just get greedy with the more you get. Um, you were already getting money in an unsavory way, but okay. So he was entrusted with the responsibility of depositing more than $20,000 to the bank, and so he planned a mock robbery with a friend agreeing to split the money evenly. The plan went off without a hitch until the police came to the dealership to question him. Instead of calmly answering the officer's questions, DeFeo exploded in rage. He refused to comply with the police. He wouldn't go to get a mugshot taken. His father even began to suspect he was behind it, so he went to confront his son, and Butch threatened to kill his father. According to Biography.com, in the early morning hours of November 13, 1974, DeFeo did act on his threat using a 35 caliber Marlin rifle from his secret gun stash, entered his parents' bedroom, and shot them both while they slept. He then entered his brother's bedroom, shooting them both in their beds, and he uh, he ended up shooting his sisters point blank in their bedrooms as well. All of these murders took place within 15 minutes. I don't understand killing your siblings. I know. I mean, murder. That's a whole other beast, okay? So it's hard to get in that mindset. But in the, you know, your spouse, your parents. Yeah, your family. I don't get it. I also don't, I, I can't even watch on movies when someone has a gun to someone else's head. Oh my gosh, And I know. they're a giant pussy waiting for that person to turn around. Like, you're going to do it without them seeing you. Mm-hmm. Like, you suck. And so he did that to his family while they were asleep. That's just disgusting. Yeah, I just, I don't get it. I don't get where his mindset was. He was mad at his dad, so he took the whole family out. Yeah, I think over the years, just all the anger and abuse he got and then went on to do it to others. He also is a heavy drinker. He did drugs. Yeah. I think I think there is, and I'll talk about a little more. I think there was a darkness in him, and that could be part of the haunting of Amityville. I think there was... I, I don't think you could just blame a demon on it. I, th- I just think there's a different way that a darkness can be in someone to do that. Well, if, I, I, we've talked about that several times. Like, a lot of those things, I feel like, leave behind negative energy. Mm-hmm. And... 
Like that stuff I do believe in just because like I felt it, you know, I'm not like, oh God, I'm haunted right now or possessed or there's a ghost here. Yeah. I mean, other people may see that and I'm not saying it's true or not true. I'm just saying that's not something I've experienced like that. But the negative energy where you're like, oh, like, you know, something bad happened here. It just, you don't know what it is, but that I could believe was left behind at yeah, Andyville. Absolutely. Uh, so after he shot his whole family in 15 minutes, he took a shower, dressed for work, collected his bloody clothing and murder weapon in a pillowcase, and he dumped the evidence in a storm drain on the way to work at the dealership at 6 a.m. Upon arriving to work, Butch called home, pretending not to know why his father didn't show up for work, saying he was bored around noon, so he left and spent the day with friends at a bar. He it, attempted to- Did they say if he was, like, acting normal? Yes, he was acting totally normal, and then he eventually just, like, breaks down. Like, he just, I think he couldn't. Can you imagine, like, being out with your friend having no idea that they just murdered their whole family? Like, really, that's where I'd think something is seriously wrong with you. Like, you crack something and your brain breaks, you murder your entire family, but then the fact that you can just, like, put on a face, nothing happened, and you act aloof, like, where's my dad? Let me give him a call. Like, and then you hang out at a bar with your friends. My dad didn't show at work today and act like nothing happened that yeah that's insane to me i feel now that that is i mean that's like that wild i don't i mean i don't know if that's like a mental illness or what but that's freaking wild yeah. He attempted to secure an alibi by telling each of the people he visited that he couldn't seem to reach anyone at home. Uh, so he did this to multiple people. And then at 6 p.m. he called a friend in mock surprise saying someone had broken into the house and shot his family. There was another one where he reported to a friend like, help me please, someone shot my mother and father. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if he reported he shot someone shot the family or just mom and dad, but that's how it was. He ended up saying that that's how they were discovered. So when the uh, county detective questioned Butch about who could uh, who could be a suspect in these murders, he told him that he believed mafia hitman Louis Fellini may have been responsible. Which I think is you know might as well blame it on a mob person if yeah. so it's not a b- bad person to pin it on. Um, but still, just own up to what you did. Ugh. Uh, Butch cited an old grudge between Fellini and the family over some work that uh, Butch had previously done for him at the dealership. He then told police that he had been up late night watching TV, unable to sleep, left for work early. He said he believed his family was alive when he left for work, then told them of his whereabouts for the rest of that day. The police placed uh, Butch in protective custody as they began to search for a suspect. However, it wouldn't take very long before Butch's story cracked and he kept changing it over way too many times until Mm -hmm. he finally broke down and said, once I started i couldn't stop it just went so fast that's crazy also crazy like it, it you see all these like levels of craziness like i killed my parents that's a level yeah i killed my siblings too okay well now you just took it to a whole like you took out for sure four innocent people and then i'm gonna act like nothing happened and i'm okay and i'm gonna put on a straight face i'm gonna go to work act like i don't know where my dad is and act totally normal wow that's a level okay i can't <laughs> that's even a level. that's a level i don't know how you can do that and then start pinning it on somebody else like you're gonna go ahead and be like yeah my family has a, it's probably that guy yeah seriously you seriously don't care if somebody else goes to jail for your crimes that's crazy like that's maybe maybe they never find who did it and you act like nothing happened like you just keep taking it to another level of unbelievable unbelievable deserve to rot the more you're dragging this out yes i just i don't get that same after mounting an unsuccessful insanity defense butch was found guilty of six counts of murder november 21st 1975 he was 
sentence to six concurrent sentences of 25 years to life. I don't know why I decided to shave one year off, um, according to CBS New York. So it was I mean, shave off. Wait, what? I said six concurrent sentences of 24 years to life, but I, it's 25 years to oh, life. Oh, so I, I didn't know use 24. Just... I was like, wait, what? They didn't count a murder? No, okay, no, no, no. I gotcha. Uh, in December of 1960. 75, uh, George and Kathleen Lutz would purchase the property for $80,000, which was considered a big bargain at the time. But wasn't it your first house like around that? Like, yeah, in yeah. 2007 or 8? Yeah. 2008, you paid 80000 Nuts, this is 1975. So I don't know why it's a bargain then, but it's... it's I guess in New York. Yeah, it must be. I mean, it's a pretty... And it's a, it's a good size house, yeah. Home, yeah. On, yeah, with a, with a boat... Um, called ramp boat lift. house boat lift boat dock boat <laughs> we obviously don't have a boat boats. <laughs> boats man i don't live near water okay <laughs> um i can correct us later <laughs> i wrote it up there before i'm not scrolling back up uh they were informed of the house grizzlies passed before making the decision to buy the dutch colonial home however they only lasted 28 days before leaving it their spine tingling tales of paranormal activity are what propelled the legend of amityville horror and spawned a torrent of books documentaries and films so diving in about them i didn't go too much into their past because as much as i you know there are people too that deserve their story told that there there wasn't too much to go on i really dove into the defeo past because of the mob ties uh, I just, I found that really fascinating. So after their arrival, the Lutz family, Kathy, her three children, Daniel, Christopher, and Missy, and her new husband, George, soon reported strange goings on. So he's the stepdad. He's the stepdad. Okay. Despite having the house blessed by a priest immediately upon moving in, George, Kathleen, and her and her three children were said to have experienced a handful of unexplained phenomena. There were odors in the house that came and went. That would freak me out the most. It smells like bad. Smells. Yeah, yeah. When I always sell it, say like rotting flesh, I'm like, oh no, I'd rather see a demon. <laughs> Maybe I not. don't think so. I can't unsee that. Yeah, a smell I can at least be like, dang, I gotta go give the dogs a bath. Jack, True. wipe your butt. You know, stuff like that. Yeah, I know. We talked about this in, um, I think it was the manger because Casey said I would not prefer to see a ghost but like i think the smells sounds and feelings like if i can't see what it is that like my brain goes even bigger right well and that's what they say like our brain can prevent us from seeing things like because we might not be able to handle it that's why like kids can see things that adults can't oh there's my dog in the background sorry about that probably saw a diamond diamond hopefully not she didn't. She's a weenie. She wouldn't yeah. bark at it for sure. <laughs> she would go She'd hide. She'd be like, take them, not me. Exactly. Uh, they heard lots of loud sounds. Uh, the front door would slam shut in the middle of the night. And George claimed to ABC News he couldn't get warm in the house for many days. So I guess he was always cold. Well, you live in New York. When did they True. When did they move in? You know uh, December. Month? Okay. Well, it's a cold month, so. Yeah, for Especially real. in New York. That's, a, that's usually pretty chilly in Texas, but. Yeah. I'm ready for some chili, by the way. It's so hot. George also claimed to wake up at 3.15 a.m. every night, which is the exact time that Butch murdered his family. Uh, His daughter, Missy, began speaking to an imaginary or perhaps demonic entity named Jody. Okay, there's no demonic entity named Jody. No? You're just saying that? I really don't think there's like... Oh, like they would have a scarier name? Jody's a little too... (laughs) Yeah, they would have something like way creepier. I'm Jody. Okay, Jody. <laughs> I'm so scared. <laughs> That's so funny. 
Okay. No, it's not a demonic entity. Too, too nice of a name. Sorry, Jody's out there. You're all just too nice. It's like, you know, Mike. Mike the demon is not coming <laughs> to visit. No, no, he's not. He's oh, not. I would love that. I mean, I would not love anyone. You know what I mean. But Mike is funny. Uh, Kathy even have, have claimed to have levitated above her bed, arising from disturbances with welts on her chest. She also said that she saw glowing red eyes and have and would have nightmares about the murders. I remember well, those that could be real. stupid red eyes from the original Amityville. It scared the crap out of me when we watched it with mom. Now it looks a little cheesy. Was that but... the Ryan Reynolds one? No, it was the original one, I think with James mm. Brolin. Mm, okay. Yeah, um, the nineteen seventy nine one. Yeah. Okay. I don't even remember. I mean, I, I don't even I, remember, I remember the Ryan Reynolds one. I know I've seen it, but I I know I liked. Yeah, the I, original. I watched both of them, but I watched both of them one time. Yeah. Like I watched the Ryan Reynolds one with Casey. I think with Casey whenever it came out, and it, it just wasn't a repeat movie for me. Yeah. I don't know. This I don't know how I feel about Amityville. Yeah. But I mean, for sure I would have nightmares too. I mean just knowing that people die were murdered there, kids, yeah. You would not you would have a hard time putting that out of your head. Yeah, exactly. Like you're sleeping in the so same I bed get the nightmares, room. the cold spots. To me, that's just easy to explain away because it's December. Yeah. And I believe there could be ghosts there. They might be chilling there. Could be. I'm a huge believer in ghosts. Why wouldn't they hang out there? Yeah. Where they're like together. Maybe the family's all together. I don't know. Yeah. Who really knows? But what I'm already fearing is the Warrens coming in and dismissing Butch's behavior as, oh, he was possessed. Like, okay, let's. Well, that's exactly what happened. I know. And that's what upsets me is that first off was, you know, I hate this. Were you actually possessed? But if you're straight up a murderer, you're angry, you're a murderer. You were raised in a horrible, horrible way, and these are the unfortunate circumstances, but let's not dismiss that behavior by being like, oh, he was possessed. Yeah. Well, then we can dismiss a lot of people's behavior as, oh, they must be possessed. I mean, some people act possessed, but true, they're Uh, not. That's their behavior. No, I know. We would have... Our whole prison system would look very much different, and half of those people were in there for possession. (laughs) Could you imagine? Clearly, you were possessed by Mike when you did that. <laughs> Through the possession quarters. Oh, God. I could just see people changed up or chained up. Like, ah. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. You're on that, the that's... other side of a glass thing. Like, hey, honey. Yeah, exactly. I just, I hate thinking that, oh, sorry, uh, that Butch did this horrible thing to his family and his siblings and were like, taking away from that by being like guys he was possessed yeah um okay that that paints it as an image as he was innocent in what he did and something else took over his body and did it very that, true that he's not a murderer well guys listening he is a murderer just yeah this, this is where the warns are just gonna really really irk me a bit but okay sorry continue I was just already for, for, yeah, I was going forward in my brain and all this and just being like, no, 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 no. It's okay. Uh, The alleged happenings only got stranger. They claim, which this one was the dumbest one to me, that they found strange gelatinous drops on the carpet and Kathy Lutz allegedly transformed into an old woman. And George also said- She wasn't using Mary Kay? (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Sorry, that's so rude. That's so um, funny. She could have just been aging. Did his, wait, was it the husband that claimed she turned into an old lady? Yeah. <laughs> of course it was. 
Sure um, did. Y'all, my wife got a couple extra wrinkles, so clearly. Damon. She's possessed. Damon. <laughs> uh, God, if Casey did that to me. And then uh, they also mentioned again about Missy acquiring a strange imaginary friend, so I wonder if that's also supposed to be demonic Jody. I'm not quite sure. Um, demonic Jody, or, Zest Mike. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, the family said many things happened there that echoed the events of the murder, the strange smells, cold drafts, objects moving. All of these crazy things are what kind of completed their experience there. A priest who visited the home said he heard a voice telling him to get out. Oh, yeah. I did read about that. Later made famous as a soundbite in the movie about Amityville. Yeah, that, you know, I'm not saying all priests are honest either, but that does kind of put a, it, it's a another, it's a third party coming in. and Yeah, and uh, well. I'll save space to dive into stuff like that at the end. Um, the Lutzes tried to bless the house again, but they said that they experienced things that were just too frightening to bear repeating that night. They later said they believed Butch DeFeo could have been possessed by the evil lurking on the property. Their story was told in a best-selling book by Jay Anson in 1977 that, of course, made the famous film starring James Brolin and Margot Kidder. Many dismissed them as trying to profit commercially from the made-up experiences. Mm-hmm. Their later owner, The later owners of the Amityville home have previously attempted to debunk the story claiming some of it didn't add up to what they found when they moved in and the priest the very priest uh, that was in the book reportedly claimed he, that he didn't experience any of the paranormal effects that the book said he did what yes. so he's saying he didn't hear the get out yeah okay Urgh. I know. People, people. No. But do you know when you do that, it like discredits anything that you say from here exactly. on out? Exactly. If you have I mean, other people that are like, bro, I didn't say that. Why would you say I said that? Exactly. Then it's like, okay, this whole book can be scratched. Yeah, exactly. Why? Oh, I hate that. Yeah. Uh, George Lutz did always remain adamant, though, in his story of what happened, um, but he did admit some features of the story, like the famous green slime, were added as embellishments. Okay, because who today? This green is the thing. Green slime very goes Ghostbusters. With, it is. It like goes with something out of the seventies. But like today, if you said green slime, I'd be like, you're a liar. You'd not like, see green spilled slime. Who the Jello? Yeah. <laughs> That's just Slimer, okay? Yes. He's fine. Gosh. Later in the documentary, as it would come out with Danny Lutz's account back to the previously given by his parents. His parents are now deceased. I wrote this whole sentence really messed up. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Danny, he was one of the kids of the Lutz parents. Uh, He would talk about what his parents discussed. His parents are now no longer alive. They died in 2004 and 2006. He also discusses his very frictional relationship with his stepfather so there's it sounds like there's more kind of child abuse going on with this second family that moved in mm-hmm. i um, also read that george lutz was pretty into the occult the the supernatural and stuff so yeah i i did read that as well he was already into kind of demonic rituals and satanic stuff um so there's so many different ways that they could have actually invited some demonic presence in on their own has nothing to do with the defeo murders but if you go in with that mindset that you're buying a house that you know six people were murdered in and you're already super into that yeah like you're trying to fuck with it 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 seems like you are yeah and that's because i mean you have an ulterior motive if if you're totally fine with not that or you're looking for something to happen and you know so you might be manifesting it yeah so true 
I mean, again, I'm not saying something is or isn't there. I wasn't there. I don't know. I wasn't even born yet. But yeah. I just, yeah, if, if, if that's something you're into and you're looking for it, then well, you might find it. Yeah. Whether you're manifesting it yourself or not, but you're looking for it or your mind is open to it. So you can see things that other people can't see. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and feel grateful that I can't see it. So diving in a little bit back to the documentary that uh, Danny Lutz, again, the son, did. Uh, he talked more on the paranormal activity in the house. He does say furniture would move around, voices would whisper to him, and he experienced bodily possession. The documentary also references him refusing to do a polygraph. Wait, sorry, when was the documentary done? Uh, this was, you know what? I, I kind of messed up there. I just have later a documentary would come out. This is after his parents are deceased, so it's after 2006. Okay, so he's an he's adult. He's an adult, yes. Okay. And he, he's talking about this. Uh, he talks about uh, his anger towards experts who believe his experiences would be a case of false memory, which I gotta say, he, he was 10 years old when this happened, so it, it could be false memory. But I also understand why he's so uh, mad about it, because he, he felt what he felt. Maybe he did because he was a kid. Yeah. He might have experienced some, some some possession or some something like that God, I, can, mean, I can't imagine parents like telling you that you're going through this and because I don't know you don't know the situation but you know that there's kids that are brought up in like really crazy situations and these parents are like oh you're possessed what, like what if he's not but he thinks these things happen to him because his parents are like yeah, I mean pushing I it on him on a much smaller scale, but I've had moments where I'm like, did that really happen? Or was that something I dreamed? Like, Oh gosh, yeah, don't so, get me into that. I my know. dreams can be very vivid. For sure. Like there are things from my childhood where I'm like, did I like think that happened? Or maybe it's something I lied about as a kid and I, now I believe it happened or I don't know. Yeah. There could be so many things. That's hard because when you tell yourself a story so many times, you you forget what really actually happened. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm going to kind of call Casey out here, but he's done that before where we've said stories so many times that he'll say it happened to him. And I'm like, Casey, that happened to me. Yeah. And it's because he's like, really? And you know, he goes back because, because we have said it so many times or whatever. And it, it just, it starts to warp in your brain where you start to think it's amazing how our brains work. Yeah. I find it, it fascinating. Absolutely. Yeah. When I say I might've lied about it as a kid, like I might've said something that happened to you happened to me to like my friends uh-huh and all this time later i still think and that happened to me exactly yes. so i have no idea and so yeah that would really suck if movies and books were written about your family and you're like yes that happened to me and people are like no that's false memory yeah i i would be just kind of going mad in yeah. my, within myself because i'm mad at you i'm mad at them and also deep down is it false? Yeah, exactly. False memory is really scary to think about, especially when you have these like people in groups that all claim to experience like a mass hysteria type. Mm -hmm. That's not the word I'm looking for though. And they're all the adults that were there. You were 10. Yeah. And they're all telling you this happened or they're saying things happen. So maybe you are looking for things that are happening to you too. You know, like one weird thing, a book falls off the shelf and you're like, oh my God, this book fell off the shelf. Books Mike were flying is. off the shelves. And you know, but like, there 
might have been an explanation for that one thing that happened, but it was already in your head that there are ghosts or yeah. demonic presence here, so y- you think it's happening. Yeah, it just sucks all around. The documentary's maker, Eric Walter, uh, said the film is much more about what it was like to be an Amityville kid rather than the retelling of the Lutz Horror Stories. He also states that Danny's been carrying around this weight for nearly 40 years, he told a Wall Street Journal. It's not easy for him to talk about. People being haunted by a haunting is not something I have seen before. The evidence we can present is this man's life. Everything that has happened for the last 40 years, it comes down to a family story and it's quite tragic. Danny's siblings did not want to appear in the documentary. Christopher... I don't know if I could either. I mean, I don't know, but that would be tough. I mean, wanting... Because once you're an adult, I'm sure a lot of people don't know who those kids are. You know, like if you saw them on the street, you wouldn't be like, oh my God, that's... Danny Lutz and, yeah, you know, the, whoever the siblings on. are. Yeah. So do you want to be in the documentary and start reliving this all over again where so many people are like, you don't know. We we can't distinguish the fact from fiction here. So the only thing I think of with that is you and I are two people out of seven kids in our blended family. If something horror like this happened, I could see half of us wanting to talk about it and half of us not. I don't mm-hmm. know which half it would be, but I, I could see it being like not one. 100%. I think I have a good idea. I don't know where I would fall on that. It just depends what actually, it depends what would happen. But like, I have an idea of like who would kind of fall where, I think. I know what like sides people <laughs> would be on, but I don't know who would, I don't know. Because like, we haven't, we've seen some, you know, silly stuff go on in our family, but nothing like this. So I, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah. But we've seen with, you know, five sisters in a household, how mass hysteria can. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm just like thinking of stupid stories in my head where it's like one person would say they heard something weird in the bushes and we all would freak out. And then like a neighbor's car alarm would go off and you're like, oh my God, it was somebody. It was a you know peeping Tom and blah, blah. And we'd scream and dad would wake up and run out and, you know. And it's like. a cat on the car. And right. Turn on you the alarm. Just, you all egged each other on and you don't know what really actually happened. Yes. It's so fascinating how that happens. So funny, but I, I will say growing up with all the sisters, there was a point where I was the youngest way back when, and some kids were trying to bully me and threw fireworks at me, and all my sisters came out to scream at these little assholes that were throwing Hell fireworks. Hell no, we can bully her, you can't. Yes. Get out of here. Gosh. That was pretty much my motto up through high school. Yeah, I mean. A- anybody I, that I, made a comment to you, I was like, excuse me? You don't say anything to her. And then you tried to put that velvet rope on my freshman year of high school on my backpack. You said you were trying to do it, but you couldn't. What? Is this that rope that surrounded the bobcat, our school mascot? Mascot? Mascot. What is it? (laughs) Moscat? Moscat. (laughs) Moscat. Sorry. (laughs) Anyways, you said, I know you, I know you did it, but you told me you were going to, or you tried to, and I like walked too fast. But if you would have done that, that would have been... That's the so most humiliating freshman year. I would have regretted that. I really would have. <laughs> so maybe you did have it clipped and you're just like, never mind. Yeah. yeah. Don't stoop that. Yeah. 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 I, I would get those ideas and then I, I, but then I have such a guilty conscience, such a guilty conscience. I would have been like kissing your feet afterwards. Yeah. Just feeling well, actually so I was a senior and I was a freshman and I don't know if you guys remember being a freshman in high school, but the seniors look like freaking grown ass giants and you're still in like kid form. <laughs> so just. Just like seems like a drastic age difference. 
But yes, I was, I was happy that Ashley was a senior at the same school. I felt like even though she could be mean, like big sister wise, I always had someone to protect me. Yes. I, I, I mean, I don't really have memories of like bullying you in school. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> okay, we'll discuss it later then. I literally don't have a single one. Uh, so as Christopher, it, I'm sorry, Christopher, the other kid, he's currently writing a book on the subject, but I don't have much more info. This could be a positive or negative, whatever his feelings are. And Missy has never spoken about any of their time at Amityville. So they all three are, have very different stances. Um, we all know that Ed and Lorraine Warren were also invited into the house by the Lutz family. According to the rap, the very first night that Ed and I went into the home, I was fearful. But this is Lorraine's perspective. Yes, but I didn't know what I was fearful of, said world-renowned clairvoyant Lorraine Warren. She said this of her trip inside the Amityville Horror House as the first subject of the Travel Channel's new series at the time called Shock Docs. I've never seen Shock Docs, but it sounds fascinating. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I found uh, a little bit too much info because it's like premieres Labor Day, Monday, September 7th. Like, they're dead now. So, like, I found a really old article. I did not mean to put it in here. Uh, but they did do a, a show called Devil's Road, the true story of Ed and Lorraine Warren. And it goes on to talk about who she works with her husband, inspiring the Conjuring films. That's why I didn't want you to go too deep into it at the beginning, because I have this whole thing I gotta skip over. But uh, she does recall her first stepping foot into the real life Long Island home in Amityville. There's a lot of archival images that show the home inside as it was immediately when the Lutz family left. As they fled in terror, they left all of their belongings there, uh, as well as there's photos and videos of the Warrens conducting their invest investigation. Uh, Lorraine died not too long ago in 2019. She explained how she took with her a relic and asked a clergy of many faiths to join her in spirit in the home to protect her and her husband, whom he died in 2006. Also, when the Lutz dad died, which I thought was interesting. In um, 2006? Mm -hmm. She said, so as she's carrying this relic, because she had many people you know, protect it, so she brought this relic because she had all these many faiths joining her. She says, as I was walking up the stairs, I reached a point where it felt as if a force of water was coming against my chest, almost like a water waterfellow. Waterfall. <laughs> the moss cat. <laughs> yes. I speak so well. Uh, it was the worst feeling I've ever felt. I stopped on the landing and held tight to the relic that was in my hand and asked for strength and direction and going forward. It felt ominous to me. The Warrens, Ed being a self-taught demonologist and Lorraine, a light trans medium, founded the New England Society for Psychic Research, NESPR, the oldest ghost hunting group in New England. They're among the first investigators in the Amityville haunting and inspired dozens of films, TV series, documentaries like Conjuring and Annabelle. Now the house on 112 Ocean Avenue has new owners after being bought in 2017, as I said earlier. Reportedly, it no longer represents the iconic iconic structure at all shown in the movies as it's been entirely renovated on the inside and outside. So from my understanding and diving into the Amityville store story, I don't think it's a hoax, but I also believe things have been incredibly embellished. We did touch on this at the beginning. Now I'm just going into our conversation of what we think about this. Um, you know, we know that Lorraine said she felt that weight upon her chest like a water fell and it felt ominous. A water fell again? Oh, I, why can't I say waterfall? I don't know. Don't go chasing, chasing waterfalls. waterfalls. <laughs> 
God. I can't. <laughs> you say it so seriously because you're doing all the gestures so that the, the water, water fells. fells. It's felling and on her And she's throwing chest. her arms out there like she's really <laughs> emphasizing and she can't say the word right. No, but she basically goes to the house as it feels ominous and then, you know, helps them promote this book that turns into a movie. But I also, I don't think it's a total hoax because they only stayed there 28 days. Like, I do think something happened because I just, I can't find it anywhere inside of me to believe that a family would have spent that money. <laughs> yes, or like do that to their kids if they were going there intentionally to try to make a book about it mm-hmm. you know i just i know people like that suck and they're out there but i just that's why a part of me is like i don't think it's a total hoax i wonder what they turned around and sold the house for did they, <sighs> that's a good question i bet did I could. they turn around and go sell it for a profit or did they take a loss i mean so i, <laughs> I didn't find what the lutz family sold their house for unfortunately um we can't find it um ashley did find some fun facts though I don't know if you want to go through them now or if we want to wait till the end. Oh, we did see there was somebody that died in the house. So would you say it was built in 25, 1925? Yes. Yeah. So, and I think 1939, um, a man died in the house of an illness. So who's to say he's not the first ghost, but... There are at least seven people that have died in that house. Yeah. um, Which is really interesting. Yeah. So I think, uh, as we talked about in the beginning, you know, there's going to be believers and non-believers. Ashley and I do tend to be skeptics and fall in the middle. But if I had to choose gun to my head, which is a really bad metaphor considering we're talking about Six of the seven people had a gun to their head. Oh, yeah. It did really do that on purpose. But if I had to choose, I would say... Yes, I believe that this this place has a darkness in it. I think that Butch DeFeo had a darkness in himself when he had his rough childhood and he had a shitty dad and he had a drug addiction and he had anger problems. Then killing all those people, young innocent people, I think that also creates some ghosts. He's definitely a making a murderer situation. Oh yeah, for sure. And that, and that is sad. I mean, it's sad that his upbringing, that's sad that those were, that that was the final outcome of what he became. Absolutely. And then he died in prison in 2021 at the age of 69. Yeah. And he was 25 when he did that. Like that's yeah. so young. Your whole life. Her youngest sibling was he li- is 25. Yeah. Was he living at home? She's about to be 25. Was he living at home when that happened? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Also, growing up that situation, why are you still living at home? Just and feels working like, with your dad. Yeah. Like it you just think you'd want to separate yourself, but also that mob tie. Maybe it's hard to get away. Yeah. You just felt trapped. Well, that's sad. Yeah. And as far as it goes, like you know, I don't think the Lutz family. I. I, I they're they're tricky because, like we said, there is some satanic dabbling. I I think there was a lot of manifestation, but I also think the kids probably did see some of the DeFeo kids or they probably did see something. Do I think, you know, Mrs. Lutz was levitating over her bed? I don't know. I'm not going to say... No, you liar. But <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I think that that could be where it gets embellished. And as far as my opinion on Ed and Lorraine Warren, like I said, I used to just be obsessed with them. I do think that they have a talent that not a lot of people have. I think we're I, obsessed with the actors of The Conjuring. True. I, I did really like the true Ed, Ed and Lorraine because uh, I think people that are labeled demonologists, like you study the coolest 
stuff that I would never want to study because I don't want to invite it into my I life. I don't and either. And I don't want to, like, get into true stories. You know, I don't want to, like, know true stories or see things firsthand. Yeah. I, I want to be here talking about it, and we can say if it's For fact sure. or fiction, and I can give my opinion. But and, I don't want to see it. And I and I do really like what they stand for. I think people that are seeing ghosts or something scary, they really need to have that person say, I believe you. And Ed and Lorraine Warren are that were those people for a lot. Again, embellished to make some movies, probably so, but I also think there's there's gotta be. I feel like I have such hope for everyone in this world that there has to be some goodness. If they were lying sacks of shit the whole entire time, then I will find them in the would afterlife. Would Patrick Wilson even make a movie if they were liars? <laughs> I mean, would he? Would he? I really like the actress that plays Lorraine too. I just, I can't remember her name oh, at the top of my head. Uh, it's 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 hard to say we couldn't get it yeah, right she's a uh, ukrainian yeah um no she's great too and everything she's in she's in a lot of scary stuff mm-hmm. yeah she, and her sister that... was the one in the nun too and that was also ed and lorraine yeah uh mm-hmm. but yeah speaking on ed and lorraine um i know the morbid girls did a story about ed and lorraine and that one really upset me i just felt like they put words. yeah that was the devil inside me yeah i felt like there was just words put into their mouths vera for is it Ferminga? i don't know if you pronounce it Ferminga though yeah it's probably not but she's um yeah her sister was the one that was in the nun she was in at least the first season of american horror story very oh. talented yeah that's cool you know her sister you know what i'm talking about no oh my god Lena. hang on american horror story okay season one she is tess tessa Amiga, that's her sister. Oh, very cool. I did not know that. Yeah. Very and nice. when you like look at them, you'll see they look yeah, very they, similar. They very similar facial features. But they are, she was born in 1994 and her sister was born in like 1970s. Okay. What was it? 1973. So yeah, they're, gosh, Sweet 30 years apart. Oh. No, just kidding. I can't do math. <laughs> Wait, what did I say? 1994? 21 years apart. Sorry, that's, I was thinking still, I said 2003. That's still a long time. I feel like yeah. it's very rare you have siblings that are that far apart. And also, like, what are your parents doing? <laughs> like, good for them. Good for them. At least they're just still happy in the boudoir. But yeah, so Ashley, would you, if, say, the Amityville house was for sale for $10,000, would you buy it? Well, yeah, because that just sounds like a good deal. Okay, see, I would not. Okay. I, I, I don't want to say I think it's filled with demons because I don't believe it is, but I don't think I would want to be associated I mean, I with it. I think I could at least flip that baby for a profit. You could, yeah. The business side of you wants to. We would at least go record one episode in there. <laughs> okay. I'd well. go sage the heck out of it. But yeah, the updates they've done on that property are really pretty. And I love that. Like a 1925 property. I mean, it's almost 100 years old and... They've, yeah. they've done a lot to it. So, I mean, it's definitely worth you checking out. We can post some pictures in the gram of it. Oh, stop shortening this, everything. This sewed, this sewed will be in the gram, you know, as the kids would say. We just lost 15 listeners. Thank you. Uh, bye. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> think you're so cool because you could pee with your penis. <laughs> Oh, well, I hope I hope we did it justice. I know it wasn't like some epic grand story of demons and ghosts. You're also talking to skeptics too, who were like, "But is it? I don't know." Yeah, I, but I, do I love learning about it? Yeah, 
There's so many houses out there that are filled with them. Uh, we did want to cover Amityville because it is fun, and we did have somebody request it through us. So we hope we did it justice, and we hope you enjoyed today's story. Thank you for listening, and we appreciate the donors. Um, we did set up a Venmo account. If you would like to donate to the show, we do have audio equipment to pay off because I chose to buy it first and then, you know, pay it off later. You know, betting on us. Betting so, on us. Betting on us. So, um, we are grateful to anything you can or would like to provide. Either way, thank you for listening and being a fan. Definitely, if you donate, put in an episode recommendation that you have. We would love to research it, and we like to know what's around you guys. You know, we're from the Houston, Texas area, so we know a lot over here, but we try not to focus too much right here. Um, But we want to hear what you have to say, and even if you don't donate, Feel free to send us a message on Instagram or send us a real estate story or recommendation to our email at hauntedre, as in real estate, hauntedrepod at gmail.com. If you would like to Venmo, that is at hauntedre, and you'll see the haunted real estate picture on there. And then if you would like to follow us on Instagram and send us a private message or just follow us to see pictures and stuff that we post, that is haunted dot real dot state you're amazing and we love you and i just wanted to also throw out uh last week ashley and i had a little planning sesh and we've planned out the next i think two two and a half months of episodes so we've got a plan in motion all the way through spooky season Mm -hmm. i think you guys are going to be really pleased with what we're going to come out with and also some of the things we're going to be doing as part of our research yep we actually have some excursions planned excursions Um, excursions. they'll be in the houston area um because we're not really doing much in the way of traveling right now i just got back from mexico so i did take some pictures of um a topic i will be talking about i'll reveal that later but um yeah so we have a lot of stuff coming up and we're trying to be less fly by the seat of our pants we'll do an episode when we do an episode and be a little bit more scheduled and regimented so that you guys can count on us a little bit more you can count on us count on us are you singing something should i know that that song that's you can count on me Okay, I was thinking, count on me, like one, two, three, but no. Okay, go put on Bruno Bar, stop listening to me. One, you're like a dream come true. Two, just want to be with you. Three, girl, it's plain to see that you're the only one for me. And four, first repeat steps one through three. Do you not remember that song? When you started singing, I was like, oh. It's <laughs> like I went a whole other way in my oh. head, which I feel like is how both of our brains work. You'll say one thing and I think something completely different. And then yeah, whatever I, I say, we you'll bounce off somewhere else. It's like ping ponging stupidity. We, we, we could have our own now so- soundtrack for the next hour and just keep going. <laughs> Where we sing half a song and then someone will start singing something different. Okay. Well, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you. You're amazing. Go out, be a light in the world and send us some good juicy stories. We want to hear from you. Whoop, whoop. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.